love. One foot front of the other and lead with love. Put one foot front of the other and lead with love. Good morning. <laughs> Today's reading is from Isaiah 50, 4 through 9. The servant's humiliation and vindication. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher, that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear, to listen as those who were taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me. Who will declare me guilty? All of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. One day, you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles, mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Let's pray. Oh God, as we feel the rush of the parade to the cross and all of the emotions in between, may we listen to your voice calling us. May we hear that voice of love that marches in the streets, that voice of love hanging on the cross. May we hear that voice of love within us. 
And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And there was a new voice as you slow, that you slowly recognized as your own that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world. This poem by Mary Oliver came to me at a point of deep transition in my life. I was pulling away from the religious beliefs that I had grown up with largely, from the expectations of people who I deeply loved, to move into a journey that was completely unknown to me, full of all sorts of risks and warnings, risks and warnings that turned out to be true in many cases. But there was a new voice I heard in that time of my life, a deeper sound inviting me forward. Over the years, I've shared this poem with many people who are in times of transition in their own lives, feeling maybe people uh, in their lives, tugging at their ankles, begging them to fix their lives to stay when it's time to go. And you know those places in your life and in your history where no one else can make the decision that you need to make. No one else can take the next step for you. In reality, this is the truth of every moment of our lives. We all have maybe heard, I think many of us have heard this quote by Viktor Frankl, who survived the concentration camps in Germany and said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last human freedom, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I love the story of the woman who also lived through the Holocaust and the rest of her life always held a comb and a piece of bread. And she said the comb was to remind her that she could brush her hair at any point and remind herself that she was deeply loved and valued. And the piece of bread was that to remind her that she always had something to give away to someone who needed bread. We always have a choice. Too often, though, we think our choices are inevitable. We want to blame our family of origin. We want to blame the actions of others, the circumstances in our lives. And yes, we, indeed, we are deeply affected by others' choices and the struggles and the broken places of our world. But I do believe that there is a voice within each of us that is deeper than blame, that is deeper than shame, deeper than brokenness, a voice that remains unaffected by the circumstances of our lives. I believe this is the voice of God. Some people call it our soul. Same thing, I think. It's the place within each of us, the place that is created by God, the place that is in God's image, 
the place where we know that God loves us. Many of us lose that voice at a certain point in our lives or about 200 times a day. We stop being tuned or being able to hear God calling us. We stop being able to hear that heartbeat of love. We long to hear it, but we're a little nervous around it. We're a little nervous about what it may ask us to let go of. We're nervous about how we're going to maybe have to let go of, of some of the boundaries that we've kept up, of some of the ways that we want to control our lives, to let go of some of the, our control or our illusion of control. It's a voice that invites us always to trust again and again and again. But I believe that the voice of love, the voice of God, is there, quietly inviting us to more every second of the day, inviting us to live beyond those other voices, inviting us to find a place of truth and grace and love, inviting us to be faithful, not faithful to a remote God who is demanding and judgmental, but faithful to what is most deeply true in us and in the world, faithful to love. I recently read a commentary on the journey of Jesus to the cross, and the writer commented how extraordinary it was that Jesus gave up his divinity in order to go to the cross. You may have heard similar statements in the past. He could have saved himself, but he didn't. He denied his divinity, the part of him that was God, in order to identify with us as humans. And that's true to a certain extent. But more and more, that's not how I read what happened. Walking into Jerusalem, being on the cross, going through that week. <clears throat> I actually see that Jesus' divinity, his God self within him, made itself present in his capacity to take each step into Jerusalem. We see his divinity and his capacity to be present to God, even as he begs to be released from the pain. We see Christ's divinity evident in his love for his disciples, even as they're about to abandon and betray him. We see his divinity showing up in each step, as he defies the religious authorities, threatens the empire, frightens and devastates his mother, completely disappoints the expectations of his followers, and leaves him exposed and alone for days. This is where we find the godness of Jesus as well. Why did he do it? How? Did he do it? Some of you may remember the last Sunday before we began Lent. It's called Transfiguration Sunday. It's the Sunday where we read the story about Jesus going up on the mountaintop with three of his disciples, and his whole face and body are transfigured. We 
spend a full weekend on this on the women's retreat, for those of you who were there. And in that moment, when his whole body is transfigured, the disciples so want to just codify that moment, to make a monument right there, to hold in that glory, that sense of divinity. They want to make that the point. And instead, it fades away, and there is this voice that comes from God that says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. That's the voice of the soul. That's the voice of love. That's the voice that Jesus is listening to as he puts one foot in front of the other and leads with love. Father Greg Boyle, who founded Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, which is the largest gang intervention rehabilitation and reentry program in the world asks us this question. Can we stay faithful and persistent in our fidelity even when things seem not to succeed? I suppose, he says, Jesus could have chosen a strategy that worked better, evidence-based outcomes, a strategy that didn't end in the cross, but he couldn't find a strategy more soaked with fidelity than the one he embraced. He couldn't find a strategy more soaked with fidelity than the one that he embraced. Life is not easy. Life is not fair. This world is deeply soaked often in blame and fear and shame and violence. Will we live our lives soaked in fidelity to love? Will we listen to the voice of God's love for us, a voice so embedded in us that it is the voice, as Mary Oliver says, you will recognize as your own, the place of your truest contentment? the place of joy and hope and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. The voice that gives you the resolve to take the next step deeper into who you are called to be in this world. Will we listen to that voice? The prophet Isaiah in the scripture that read earlier discovers what listening to that voice is like, what it looks like when it shows up in our lives. He says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with the word. That'd be a lovely life's calling, just to sustain the weary with the word. Morning by morning, God wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint. There's the faithfulness. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. The one who vindicates me is near. The secret is that as hard often as listening to the voice of love is, it is the place of our deepest satisfaction. 
The prophet discovers such deep joy listening to that voice that he finds his calling and his purpose when he listens to it. May we also be those who journey into love. May we be the presence of love in our world, speaking words to sustain the weary. For indeed, love conquers all. Amen. In the next few moments, Joy comes and Don comes to sing for us. I invite you to listen to the words of this song. It's called Dear Hate. I invite you to sit with all of the struggles that you see in your life and in our world, the places where we wonder if love indeed conquers, and to offer your contemplation as a prayer and a reminder that love does conquer all.